is really good to be here with you today. Uh, as it's been said, both in person and online, we are a community that is one gathering, meeting all over the city, and um, I'm grateful that we have this opportunity. I do want to mention for those of you uh, joining in online that we are going to be remembering Jesus in communion here in just a few moments and to have your, your elements ready. I was uh, thinking about times where <clears throat> we were all online and the different things that we were using for communion, mostly goldfish. Goldfish were kind of our go-to, but you kind of just have to do uh, what you have to do when you're at home. But hey, uh, welcome. My name is Adam, and I, uh, I get to be part of the team here at Mosaic, and uh, I get open scripture with you today. And we have been in a series this summer called Prayers of Renewal. And we have been looking um, at, at prayers in Scripture, all throughout the Scripture, of the people of God praying prayers of renewal, prayers to experience new life from God. And we've, we've been praying these prayers ourselves, prayers of experiencing new life, to be renewed by His presence, to be encouraged, to be given hope. Uh, we, we, we've been saying these prayers over and over, believing for this new life this summer. And, and in a moment uh, where, where we find ourselves in a place that's depleting, the world around us is depleting, we seek to be uniquely different as renewed people because our God is faithful. And so we've been in this, this teaching series called Prayers of Renewal with this expectation of our God. And, and, and <clears throat> throughout the series, we've uh, visited and revisited a passage um, which is a very famous prayer of renewal prayed by Jesus that we read about in Matthew 6 called the Lord's Prayer. And I want us to revisit that today. In fact, we're going to read uh, the, the last verse of that and, and kind of camp out on that verse. And if you're new today or if you haven't been around this summer, well, we've been revisiting the Lord's Prayer. And it's, it's taken out of a sermon Jesus teaches in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 called the Sermon on the Mount. And right in the middle of this sermon, Jesus teaches us how to pray. And so I'm going to read this whole prayer, and then we'll spend some time uh, on the last verse. And so if you have your Bible, you can turn here with me to Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to start in verse 9. You can also follow along on the screens. And Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That verse 13 is what we're going to look at today. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This, this prayer, it, it, it's pointing at a, a few different things. It's, it's firstly a prayer requesting, asking for God's mercy in our lives. As he orders our days, as, as, as he sets our years before us, we, we come before him and we say, lead us not into temptation, into the places that we find weakness. In Psalm 103, the psalmist says, uh, recognizes this about God, that, that he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, but he is gracious and merciful with us. And this prayer is firstly that, God, we, we're, we're asking for your mercy as you unfold the days of our lives. 
And secondly, this is a, a prayer that's, that's a declaration of our dependency on God's saving grace. God, do for us what we can't do from ourselves. Save us, deliver us from evil and from the evil one. A declaration of God's power at work in our lives. Uh, Paul, who, who wrote much of the, the New Testament, wrote several books in the New Testament, had a really good grasp on this concept of God's strength present in my weakness. And, and he says this in, in 2 Corinthians uh, 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Ultimately, this is a prayer to a merciful God, to a powerful God, to guide and lead our lives, to direct our lives, to give us clarity all throughout the human experience, but certainly right now in a moment where there is a lack of clarity of how to move forward. God, guide our lives. You're merciful. Be gracious to us. You're powerful. Order the steps of my days and guide my life. So what does it look like for God to do that in our lives, to guide our steps, to give us clarity as we move forward? Um, this summer, in fact, just a few weeks ago, we, the Harveys, took our annual kind of summer vacation. Um, every July, we like to spend a couple weeks in Phoenix, Arizona to cool off a little bit. That's a joke. It's very hot. We did not cool off, but we go and see family, and it's always a great experience. And this year, our, our daughters flew down ahead of us and were there a few weeks before, and my wife and I, we drove the minivan uh, left Portland early in the morning, <clears throat> morning on our way to Phoenix, and we drove through California. And I might just be getting old, but, but it was a tough drive. We're going down I-5 in bumper-to-bumper traffic going 80 miles an hour for hours on end. It was exhausting. I would be done at the end of the day just <clears throat> peeling my knuckles off the steering wheel, and it was so stressful driving. So much so that, that I told Dana when we were getting ready to leave Phoenix, we're not going through California. We may never go to California again. I'm done with that place. Sorry to those of you who love California. But we decided to go through Nevada. There's no one in Nevada. It's, it's a great place to drive through in the summer. So we, we left home and we went through Las Vegas, which was very nostalgic for us. It's where Dana and I met. And we dated and we fell in love. And we began to, to go north out of Vegas and there's no big freeway that goes north and south through Nevada. It's a bunch of little country roads and a bunch of turns. And, and we were reflecting when we used to take this trip all the time uh, because we lived in Vegas and she was from Washington. We'd go see her family. That, that we had to navigate it, because this was 20 years ago, with an atlas, a road map. Do you guys remember this? You would say, okay, we're turning in this town, and then at mile marker here, we're turning here, and you would have to plan it out. And, and we were joking about it because when we left Las Vegas, all I did was get my phone and say, hey, Siri, direct me home. And that was it. Turn off my brain and drive. And she would tell me every turn, every corner. She even dumbs it down and says, hey, at Applebee's, turn left. It was so simple. And when I think about guidance, that's kind of where my mind defaults. Someone to tell me every step, turn here, do this, do that. Yet, with our Father, with our Heavenly Father, what we experience as guidance is less about step-by-step -step directions and far more about relationship. 
far less about information around this corner and then go here and go do this, and far more about an invitation into relationship and to journey with one another together. God's leading in our lives. And certainly there's, there's exceptions. There's been moments where, where God has been very clear and said something, or, or even we read about in Scripture some amazing stories about God speaking through a burning bush or talking through a donkey or even using his own hand to write on a wall. Those moments do exist, but, but generally speaking, God's leading in our lives is to invite us relationally to walk with him. Scripture gives us an analogy that I think is a really powerful analogy of what this might look at. And it shows up in a lot of places in Scripture, and I want to look at one place in, in John chapter 10, and it's the analogy of a shepherd with sheep. A shepherd with sheep. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that probably none of us, if not most of us, have life experience of being a shepherd. This, this is a, an, an industry that looks very different in 2021 than it did a couple thousand years ago. But I, I think with our imagination, we, we can understand some of this concept. But a shepherd with sheep in this setting was all about presence, about living with the sheep day and night. A herd, this smaller, probably to the size that this shepherd would have known them, probably gave them each funny names, would have protected them, would have been present with them everywhere they go. The, 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 everywhere the shepherd go, the, the sheep would have followed them to food, to water, to safety. He was there. He was present. And in John 10, Jesus says this about himself, starting in verse 10. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. The wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. God's provision for direction in our life is to invite us into the fold of Jesus, to be the sheep of his pasture, to know him, to be present with him. We experience his leading. We experience Jesus as our shepherd in his presence with us daily through his Holy Spirit. We experience his guidance, not as a GPS in our ear telling us every step to take and where to go, but rather as an invitation into a growing relationship day after day to know him more and to be present with his Holy Spirit. A, a few chapters later from John 10 into to John 16, Jesus makes this really clear for his disciples and um, he is uh, just about to be arrested and face a trial and ultimately face cross, death, and resurrection. And, and before this is all to happen, he's with his, his disciples in this, this conversation called the Upper Room Discord where, where he is preparing his disciples and he begins by washing their feet and, and they're having a meal together. And he tells his disciples, listen, it's, it's to your benefit that I go away in the flesh because when I do, the Father is going to send you an advocate. He's going to send you the Holy Spirit, my spirit, 
that is going to dwell with you and be present with you. And it says this in John 16, 12. I have much more to say to you, more than, than you can bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what we will make known to you. Jesus says it's, it's for your benefit that I go because the Father is going to send you the Advocate, the Holy Spirit. And his guidance for these disciples would have been in the flesh. They would have almost like sheep followed him, seen his miracles, hear his words, his teaching, and now he's going to be present in their hearts to lead them to guide them, to influence them. When we think about influence in our lives, things or, or maybe specifically people who influence us, proximity has a lot to do with that. I mean, there are certainly authors that I, I love to read that, that are very thought-provoking and, and, and give a lot of truth. There's, there's artists that I feel like I connect with their music and, and, and I love those things, but, but the most influential people in my life I have close proximity to. I do life with them. I know them well. I experience day-to-day -day or week-to-week -week life with them. Man, my, my, uh, my wife and I were just joking about this. We're almost married 19 years. We're at that point of our marriage where we don't just finish each other's sentences. We'll finish each other's sentences when it like, was a non-sequitur, way off topic, and it's weird where you look at each other like, how did you know I was going to say that? And, and there's something that happens when you spend ongoing time with someone, an influence that happens. This is how Jesus wants to shepherd you and I, by being in relationship with us, by influencing our lives with his presence day by day. And this is something as I, as I look back over my life and as I look back over my time walking with Jesus, I can see this truth. I can think of times where, where I experienced his leading, where I experienced his his encouragement, where I experienced his conviction. If I walked away from a relationship and I, and I experienced his presence within me, guiding me back to mend that relationship, or his presence within me leading through this open door when this other open door seemed more intuitive in my, in my own thinking and reasoning, and yet looking back, it was absolutely the right choice. Or, or even times, like in my, my high school years where I lived for a, several years very foolishly, and, and I can look back and see where Jesus had guided and protected me even through those years. Delivering, leading away from that temptation, protecting and guiding away from the evil one. Jesus wants to guide us with his very presence given to us by the Holy Spirit. This is what it means to be the sheep of his fold, for him to be our shepherd. He guides us with his presence and he guides us with his words, these, these words that he has given us, that speak to the here and now, that speak to our lives, that bring clarity, that bring life and bring light. Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. That, that these words I read and hear, they bring clarity, they bring light the same way that a lamp illuminates a dark room. 
there's now clarity. There's things I can see. There's things I will not stumble over now and run into because of this light. And certainly the, the circumstances of, of 2021 look different than the circumstances of when Jesus' words and, and these words are written. Yet the human experience and the need underneath those circumstances has not changed. What I mean is in this scripture, you're not going to find the words cell phone or social media or a lot of other things that, that we're na navigating now and negotiating now, yet you will read words like guard your heart. From out of your heart is a wellspring of life. To be a part of Jesus' fold is to know his words and to be guided and directed by these words because they're powerful and they're useful. In 2 Timothy 3, it says this about God's scripture. In verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped to every good work. That the word of God, these, these words that he has given us are powerful and they speak even to the here and now in every circumstance that we're facing. We are renewed by God's leading in our lives. Though we might feel lost or confused, we have an advocate. We have a place to go for direction and for clarity. And something I, I know to be true um, of all of us in this room is we are all in need of direction of some kind. Man, I, I don't know what's on your mind. I don't know what you're weighing today. Man, maybe it's, it's in a relationship that, that, that I don't know how to move forward in this and, or a relationship that's, that's difficult. And maybe it's the decision at work or at school. Maybe it's a, a financial decision. We are all in need of clarity. And maybe even for, for some of us, we feel like the sheep that has, has wandered away and we don't feel God's presence and we do feel a distance from him and not proximity towards him and, and, and there's a need for clarity. I am certain that all of us are in need for direction. I'm also certain that, that there are a lot of voices we could listen to. There's a lot of influence and direction rampant in our world. The question that we have to keep asking is does that lead to life? What voice leads to renewal, leads to life? Jesus, his invitation in John 10, he says of himself, I am the good shepherd and I lead to life everlasting, to an abundant life in the here and now and forever. He is our good shepherd directing our lives. So I want to invite us in this week to come to do a, to do a simple thing to think about the places in our lives where we are seeking direction and to simply bring them before God in prayer, to ask him. That's what James 1 tells us. Hey, if you're, if you're lacking wisdom, ask God. He gives it freely. To bring this before God. God, I am, I am at a loss of what to do about this. God, I don't know how to move forward about this. God, I am confused about this. God, I am hurting about this. God, bring it before him. I simply listen. He speaks to us relationally through his spirit. He speaks to us at our heart level. He speaks to us with these words 
that he has given us. And then to respond in obedience. It's not very useful for me when I'm driving to have the GPS telling me where to go and constantly ignore it. I do that sometimes, and it redirects and redirects and redirects. As God leads our lives with his relational influence, we're invited then to respond with obedience, to say, God, I will follow your shepherding and your leading in my life because I know that you lead to good places. Not always easy, not always safe, not without peril, but you lead to good places. We're, we're going to take communion here in just a moment, and I'm going to, before that, I'm going to read a passage out of Psalm that is, is very well known, and, um, and then I'll pray, and we're going to take communion together. And I want to invite us to think about, as we are taking communion and thinking about our shepherd, these words, as he says, I am the good shepherd, I lay down my life for my sheep. That Jesus' proximity to our lives and to our hearts is something that he has made possible. It's by his death and the Holy Spirit resurrecting him and bringing him to life that we are able to be present with him and to be guided and directed by him. So let me read these words. I'll pray, and then we'll take communion together. You can go ahead and, and start opening your communion cup because that sometimes takes a moment. Let me read these words about our good shepherd. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, and I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the dark, or through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Jesus, as we, uh, as we consider these words um, that we're hearing about you, that you invite us to know you, to see you, and to name you as our good shepherd, I'm just firstly overwhelmed with gratitude, overwhelmed with greatness that you would desire to be with us, to make your home in us. And I pray as we, um, as we take this communion, remembering the means by which we are given that relationship with you, I pray that we would be a people who would worship out of grateful hearts. And I pray as we, as we go about our day and ask as we go into our week that we would be mindful of the places we've yet to trust you and to ask for your guidance and direction. And as we feel the anxiety of uncertainty creeping in day to day, that we would be a people that ask for your leading in our lives. We thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Let's take communion.